I always like to tell people that self-esteem is very teachable and it can be a skill that's cultivated. Even if you have low self-esteem, that can definitely change and grow and improve, but it corresponds to the amount of work you're willing to put into it and how flexible you can be in your mind. I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life. So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't This is Unlock Your Therapy. Hello, and welcome to session 17 of the Unlock Your Therapy podcast. I'm Lindsay, your host. I'm sitting here in my home office, and it is a gorgeous fall day outside. Like, it's like perfect. It's like 60 something degrees, sunny, warm, the leaves are beautiful. I bought a giant pumpkin to surprise Carson when he comes home. We're going to carve it. I just hope he's not allergic to pumpkin like I am, (laughs) only mildly, but we'll find out. He's going to be thrilled. And we have a great episode today. I'm going to give you an overview and then we'll jump right in. So I'll go over my high and low of the week, and that is to bring some gratitude to the things that went well this week, take a moment to just pause and reflect. And then my low is to just let you all know that we're all human and struggle with something each week, and I like sharing my journey with all of you. I work from home, and I like feeling like I'm talking to somebody besides myself. And then we're going to get into anxiety, which is where we talk about a hot topic of mental health, the media, book review, research, something going on. And I was reading a news article this morning that I want to share with all of you. It's a little controversial, but I thought was just a nice point to remember. Then we're going to get into skill of the week, which I did a poll this morning and a lot of you voted on skill of the week being how to raise your self-esteem and confidence. So that is what we're going to talk about. Then after skill of the week, you know, that always segues nicely into our little homework assignment, action item of the week. I have a good one for you this week where I'm actually going to give you the tool to do it. And I think it will be very helpful to all of you that actually follow through. So starting off with high and low. I'll start with my low. I don't have much of a low other than I was uh, very under the weather yesterday and Dan was under the weather. I think the kids gave us their illness. They're both feeling good this week, which is a miracle. Thank God. Everett's still on his medicine for a while longer, but everybody is okay. Dan and I were briefly sick. We're on the up and up, but that's how my voice is a little nasally. But not too much of a low this week other than that. I gave myself a sick day because when you work for yourself, you don't get sick days. So I give myself them whenever I need. And for my high, it would be this beautiful fall weather. And just being the season of Halloween with a three-year-old is really fun. 
Carson loves everything Halloween, so it's just fun to show him different things. He gets a kick out of the decorations. And the street I live on in Queens goes all out for Halloween, like our whole neighborhood does, but especially our street. Like from my window in the front room, I can see like four houses with crazy Halloween decorations. And the house two doors down just put up a giant unicorn. You could see it on my Instagram if you saw my stories today. And it's like a rainbow Halloween unicorn. Carson is in love with it. We have to visit the unicorn every day. I can see it from half of the windows in my house at all times. So he is thrilled. And he's just absolutely loving all of the decorations. Although I think he doesn't give the Halloween lights that I put outside our house enough credit. When I first showed him, I thought he was going to be so excited. I just ordered one of those projectors and it comes with all the slides for like 16 holidays or something. So I can just change the slide in the projector and use it for every holiday because I'm very lazy at like decorating the outside of my house or doing much to the outside of my house. So it was a great solution on Amazon. But Carson just told me he was in a bad mood when he first saw them. He was sick and he told me they were scary and didn't seem that into it. And he helps me plug them in every night and like put the cord through the window and do all that. So he likes that part. But I don't think he gives our decorations enough credit about like how cool I think they look. Like these ghosts and witches swirling around on our house. He just wants to go see everyone else's decorations, which is fine. But it's just been a lot of fun with him and Halloween. I get a kick out of it. It's a little much though. Like by the time Halloween comes, I'm like ready for it to come and go because it's like Halloween nonstop for like a month. So it shall be fun. Next up, after high and low, we're going to segue into anxiety where we talk about hot gas. So I was reading, maybe a lot of you saw this. There was an article about Justice Sonia Sotomayor. She gave a talk at Roosevelt University in Chicago And she was asked how she maintains relationships with the different judges on the court that she disagrees with, especially Clarence Thomas, who's, you know, described as the most conservative Supreme Court justice. And so I was interested to hear what she said. And it's been all over social media and made into little nice clips and things. So I'm sure a lot of you heard this, but... I'm going to read her response because I read it and it was just like a really nice reminder. And I think it just can make anyone feel better about someone they disagree with in their life about various topics. It doesn't have to be politics or anything like that. But just kind of knowing that you can have meaningful relationships with people, even if you disagree with them about things, that not everyone's perfect or going to match you perfect and that we're all different. And I really enjoyed her response. Okay, I'll read it now. She said, I try to find the good in everybody, because if I can treat them as people with good things inside, they can feel it. They can feel that there are things inside them that I value, and they're more willing to talk to me and do it in a respectful way where we can value each other. I have disagreed more with him than any other justice, which means we don't come together on many cases. And yet I can tell you that I spend time with him, understanding that he is one of the few justices who knows practically everybody in our building. He knows their name. He knows the things about their life, what their family is suffering. He'll tell me, you know that that person's wife is sick right now, or that person's child is having difficulty. There's no other justice who does that. 
I try, but he does it better. He cares about people. Now he cares on legal issues differently. And he sees those legal issues much differently than I do. I tell people, you know, Clarence believes just like him because he grew up very, very poor, that everyone is capable of picking themselves up by their bootstraps. I understand that some people can't reach their bootstraps. That's a fundamental difference in how we view what the law can or should or does do for people. But I can appreciate him. I just loved what she said. And I think it's so true. I was listening to someone else talk about someone they view as a polar opposite in their beliefs. And they talked about that, that they know that that person is a human and a complex being just like everybody else. And that they're not a monster necessarily, that when they were, if they were to come across them at a dinner party, they would be pleasant. They would make small talk, you know, if they didn't know who each other was, if they were just an anonymous person that they would be pleasant, they wouldn't be rude, they would probably be fun to even talk to at a dinner party, they would get along about a lot of things. But it's just that when you know about someone's fundamental difference about a topic that's important to you, it can really make you paint them all in one way. And that's very black or white thinking. So I think it's just a nice, complex way to view people. And I think if you live somewhere where you're in a bubble all the time, it can make it hard to not fall into that cancel culture. And, you know, there's a time and place for certain things that come out in the media or whatever. But I think it's just important to remember as on a human to human level, because coming from a place where there's a lot of different political views and various people in my life have different feelings on all, all kinds of topics. I come from a place that's mixed in that way. And I think that gives you an appreciation for seeing the pros and cons or at least separating, maybe compartmentalizing some of those things that people don't agree with you on and that it's okay, that they're a good person anyway, and that there's differences there and they have their own differences. And I hope that they would view me in that same way too. I'm like, oh, Lindsay, she really is the opposite as me on these different views. But I know she's a great person and we really have a lot in common on other topics. And I wouldn't want someone just to paint me with all one paintbrush and cancel me out of their life because I don't agree with them on something. So I just wanted to bring that up. I thought it was a nice way of framing it and viewing things. And it seems like she genuinely talks to him, spends time with him and connects with him. And I thought it was just very interesting no right or wrong on that. I just thought it was a a nice perspective she brought up about the topic. So I just thought I would share. Things that challenge our mindset are always helpful and things that I can keep in mind myself. I created something brand new, the No More People Pleasing mini course. I help women to stop people pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm going to teach you four proven strategies, research proven strategies that's going to bring you from people pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're going to use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm going to teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets 
that's going to bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're going to get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be. And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at Unlock Your Therapy on Instagram, click the link in my bio to get on the list. Okay, next up is skill of the week. So like I said, I had Instagram vote and Instagram voted on confidence and self-esteem. So these two things go hand in hand, right? The way we feel about ourselves is our self-esteem. Confidence is kind of the way we present outwardly to the world. And how can we improve those things? I always like to tell people that self-esteem is very teachable and it can be a skill that's cultivated. Even if you have low self-esteem, that can definitely change and grow and improve, but it corresponds to the amount of work you're willing to put into it and how flexible you can be in your mind. Because there's honestly some people that just are not very flexible. They're not willing to entertain another perspective or to challenge thoughts that might come up for them or to spend time entertaining a different perspective about themselves or others. And that's okay. It's just that it's going to be a lot harder to change your perspective about yourself, self-esteem, and grow your confidence. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume everyone here is very psychologically flexible, we call it. (laughs) So I always say for the first step of thinking about your self-esteem, if you're someone who struggles with self-esteem, or if there's a certain topic that you struggle with about self-esteem or confidence, something you're not confident about, I want you just to spend a few minutes to think about where that idea comes from. For example, if someone struggles with body image, just as an example, because that's always like an easy, common go-to, right? I would have that person just think about when they were younger, what was the image that they were taught was ideal, right? By commercials, magazines, society around them, the clothing stores. What was in style at that time? Growing up in the 90s, what comes to mind for me is like Delia's and Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and these very slim, flat stomach pop stars that were in at the time. And small sizes and and all of that, right? So that was kind of the image. Seventeen magazine and all of these different things come into my head right away when I think of that. And this could be about anything. It could be about if you have low confidence around work or around, I don't know, home life, right? Around the way you keep your home or judgment about how you do certain things. Trying to conjure up what image was projected to you as the ideal of that topic. And where did that come from? How did your mother talk about whatever the topic is, if it's body image, right? How did your mom talk about her own body? How did your mom talk about other people's bodies? What was the commentary you heard? Was there commentary about your own body as a family member? You know, was there any kind of judgment or ideal in the family or about work or whatever the topic is? Just apply it to that. I'm just using this as an example. And then I want you to think about what are different statements you heard growing up as you got older, as a teenager, what are statements you heard about that, whether that's career, work, home life. Again, what's the projected 
standard of society? What did you hear about that topic? And then how do you think that saturated into your brain and how you feel about that topic today, yourself in regards to that topic? It could be being shy, being quiet, right? I was quieter as a child and in school, like they expect you to speak up and present and be extroverted and the kids that were more outgoing got more attention and, you know, so whatever the topic is, just kind of think through where did this idea come from across the board in your home, your family, media, society, and then growing up over the years, how did that change? What more information got into your brain about this? And does that make sense for where you are today and how you're thinking about that? Because, you know, it's taken you X number of years to learn that. And it's going to take you a little while (laughs) to unlearn that. And I always tell people to be patient with yourself because depending on how old you are, right? I could say, oh, I'm 36 years old. It took me 36 years to think the way I think now. So if I wanted to undo the way I think about something, it's going to take me a minute, right? It's not going to be overnight. And in therapy sessions, people always tell me, I'm so sorry, I'm talking about the same topic I talked about last week. Or I'm so sorry, I always talk about the same thing every week. And I feel like I'm complaining or like I'm not doing anything differently or the same things are bothering me. And I'm like, what? Of course, you're talking about the same thing every week because that's what we're working on. And that's what you're going to work on for a long time. It takes a long time to undo something, unlearn something, and then relearn it the way you want to feel. And I just want you to think about how do you want to feel about this topic? So about self-esteem, confidence, how do you want to feel? And in the meantime of unlearning, recognizing where this came from, where am I at with this right now? How do you want to feel? And can you fake it till you make it a little bit, right? Because confidence, it's a lot about just showing up anyway and trying to show up confidently, even if you don't feel confident. So that could be dressing confidently, having a confident body posture or stance, or speaking up without hesitating, just kind of throwing yourself out there. You don't have to do that, but that's just a little bit of fake it till you make it. If you want to feel like you're doing something active, that's an active approach. And in the meantime, what really helps retrain the brain, this is not an easy fix. Like I talked about last week, there's no easy fixes. No one's going to fix it for you. No one has the magic bullet. But this is how you build self-esteem and confidence. Okay, are you ready? You spend time writing down things you genuinely like about yourself or something you did that day that you're proud of. And you write it down on a piece of paper with a pen and a paper and you think about that. It could be, oh, I called my mom today. I like that I called her. Why why do I like that I called her? Oh, I like that I called her because I'm a caring person. I care about people. I care about my family members and I check in on them and I stay in touch with them because they're very meaningful in my life. Do you see how that little action you did then translates to a quality that you like about yourself and an action that's in line with values that you hold? So that's just an example. And it could be similar things each day. You may not come up with like brand new ideas every day. That's okay. But you could say, oh, I'm, I'm proud that I sent a few emails at work today. Why? Because I know that I work hard when I put my mind to it and it felt good to do it and I followed up on some tasks. So I know I'm hardworking 
in my career, whatever. That's just an example. (laughs) So little things that even if they seem tiny, I want you to write those down and use them to connect to a quality that you genuinely like about yourself. And this is not a quick fix. This is not an easy fix. And like I said last week, I wouldn't trust anyone trying to sell me an easy fix, right? Like my example last week is just do your dishes, right? There's no magic solution that anyone has or a book or a podcast or a course or a therapist or a doctor, right? Sometimes you just have to do your dishes. This is the same thing. You have to write these things down. Just a few, just take a few minutes. If it's too burdensome, you're not going to do it. So really just commit to five minutes, like set a timer. Even if you just think of one in five minutes, that's okay. That's a start. Write it down. And what this does is it helps train your brain to be forced to think about these things because if you have low self-esteem or confidence, your brain automatically thinks of all of the negative things or ruminates about the negative things. Something you said in a conversation at work or a socially awkward exchange you had at your work happy hour or you know, a weird small talk exchange you had with a mom at morning drop-off today where your brain just kind of ruminates about things. Like someone that was rude to you at the grocery store and you just get stuck on it and ruminate about it. We have to force the brain to go down a different neural pathway. These are literally neurons in the brain that fire together and wire together. So the low self-esteem and overanalyzing and being self-critical, those are automatic thoughts based on emotion and habit, not based on facts or evidence. And that pathway is very strong in your brain. It's like a super highway. Talked about this before and other things. So you have to force it to go down this dirt path through the woods of thinking of positive things about yourself. And it's not that you don't believe them. It just takes a while to think of them on purpose and pay attention to them and catch them and remind yourself of them and read them over and over again. It's not going to come naturally to you at first. The more you do that, that pathway through the woods becomes a trail. That trail becomes a sidewalk. That sidewalk becomes a street. Then it becomes an avenue. Then it becomes a super highway, just like the other side of that low self-esteem. Now you're going to have a super highway of positive thoughts, attributes that you genuinely like about yourself, and that's going to give you the confidence to speak up more. I took on a higher role job in a position I had before going into private practice. And it was scary. Like it was very, I had to give a lot of presentations and talk to high up people. And it was very intimidating. And I remember calling my mom and I was like, just very overwhelmed. And there was a lot to do. There was little to no training. Everyone was very jaded there. No one wanted to help and no one wanted to guide me or train me and it was a free-for-all. And the person who was in that position before was very bitter and on purpose wouldn't train me. And she was also like out on leave or something. So there was nothing. There was just some nice people that took me under their wing and tried the best they could to be like, oh, I think she did this in her job and this. And they helped me kind of find my way. Long story short, My mom said to me, well, you've done a lot since you've been there. You've only been there three months. Why don't you make a list of everything that you've done so far in that position? And it'll just help you see all the things that you have done and changed so far and that you really have, you know, implemented a lot of changes and learned a lot of things and taught yourself a lot of things. And and it was really helpful. I did. I sat at my desk and I made a list and I read it over and I was like, okay. 
She's right. Like in the 12 weeks I've been here, I've done a lot of things. And it was just nice to remember that and to hold on to that. And it made me a little more confident. Like, okay, I am doing something. I'm learning something. I'm trying. And that's all anyone can ask. And also, as just to point out, in that job, I also had to go to these high-level meetings with all these intimidating people, right? They were intimidating on paper. But once I got into those meetings, you quickly realize, and I'm sure this applies to everybody, like in every job, you quickly realize like, oh, these are the people at the top, like running things. And I'm nervous to present to them and whatever. But really, once you get to know them, and then once you get to see actually like the holes in their roles and what they're not really doing, and they're supposed to be doing, it just gives you a little more confidence because you're like, okay, these are just people like everybody else. They're missing things too. They're not on top of everything because you can't possibly be And some of those people at the top are like downright a little, um, I don't know, I don't want to say anything bad, but you know, I'm just maybe shouldn't be in those roles, (laughs) a little kooky, a little out there. And then you realize like, okay, I have a right to be here. Not only do I have a right to be here, like I know what's going on. I have common sense and experience to bring to this. And, you know, not everyone at this table has it all together. So why not me? Why not me sitting here giving my opinion on something when I have a lot to share and a lot of experience being more in the trenches than these people do in a long time. And some of them have never been in the trenches, right? They just like those administrative roles and these high up positions. So they don't even know what's going on at a, you know, down in the trenches level of an organization. So that's just something else to really remember to bring to the table. So that's my spiel. It kind of went off on a tangent, but (laughs) just want you to see how you can do these little exercises that will help you be more confident, but it takes work and it takes consistent daily work, whether that's daily journaling or every other day when you remember to do it, when you have time to do it. But if you want higher self-esteem and you want more confidence, that's what you need to do. There's no shortcut. There's no sugarcoating it. That's the answer. And anyone that tells you differently is trying to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge or like a pretty solution, but really it's doing the mental work of rebuilding those neural connections, rewiring the brain, unlearning these automatic, emotional, habitual ways of thinking that are not based on facts or evidence. And you have facts or evidence. You can make a list just like I did. What have I accomplished in my job in the last three months, six months? What have I learned? What have I done? And when you make a list, you're like, oh, wow, damn, I'm doing pretty good. I've done a lot. And that just helps build that confidence. And it could be, what if it's about your house, right? What have I done in my home, my family life? You make a list, wow, I've taken the kids a lot of places. It feels like I'm always tired and I'm never taking them anywhere, doing things. But when you make a list, you're like, wow, yeah, we do a lot. (laughs) Like even in the last month when I make a list, okay, wow, yes, we've been having plenty of fun doing lots and lots of things. So just really trying to reflect, giving yourself credit and writing down facts and evidence and qualities you like about yourself and using all of that to reinforce that new superhighway you're building in your brain. And doing that kind of work of building those new neural connections, they can see that on an MRI. Like it's real. It's very tangible and concrete. Like they can see those neural connections getting thicker and stronger and bigger and just like a muscle that you're building. It's literally building new wirings in the brain. It's incredible. And it works just as well as medication, if not more 
well. And medication can't do this kind of work for you. Even if you're on medication, that helps reduce anxiety or depression. And that's helpful, very helpful. You can do this on top of that because this is going to help rewire that self-esteem and bring you even further along in addition to medication does. So you can have both and that really will put you in a much better place and give you these tools, new ways of thinking. And it's like you're tag teaming it, right? (laughs) Like you can really get yourself to a place of working on this and doing these little writing assignments, which goes right into action item of the week. Action item of the week, people, is I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, it should be in the description, a link to my self-esteem journal. So it's a daily journal. It just has three prompts a day of what something you did that day you liked about yourself, something positive you did, a quality you realized you had that day. And you can print it out and write this down and you can you know, print out a bunch of them and do this every week. Think of different things. So I think it's a great tool to use. And it, that's really all you need to start rewiring your self-esteem and confidence. But bring that flexibility and that challenging old habitual emotional ways of thinking about yourself that are not factual or true. Okay, that's all I have for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm having a blast doing this every week. I will talk to you next week. Take care.